Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young. And I'm Vanessa Mitchell. Uh, we are veering away from the normal scheduling uh, due to severe weather conditions in the northern part of the UK. Well, our problem is our resident historian lives way further up in the country than we do. And of course this... Because um, we're Dan Saf. We're Dan Saf. What's a storm, Freddie? What's it called? Storm Arwen. So oh, Arwen, yeah. Our British listeners will know and understand, and maybe some of you are in the Northern Territories and will appreciate uh, some of the weather conditions we've been having. So You sounded like a weatherman when you said that. Well, listen, that's what Did I was going Did you practice? Yeah, I was practising that. <laughs> uh, but basi so basically, we've had... She's, she's just got no internet. She's got no... She's got nothing. So she can't... She, she's not where yeah. we live, so she just quite, can't Quite a lot of... Uh, well, we say up north, you know, up north for us, a lot of people are still without electricity. A lot of people, you know, have no internet, no anything. I mean, she, luckily, she's got electricity, but she hasn't got any internet. Any she hasn't internet. got any. She hasn't got any phone service because the storm took it all out. So, unfortunately, what we agreed to do for tonight's episode, we can't. It's null no and void. So, and we also don't want to do it on our own because we know she has such good information on this historical information we just thought we just we just need to leave it just need to leave it so do you know what i poor fred had to run home in the dark from work and rustle you all up a little something something so what i've decided to do mm. is we're going to look a little bit into symbolism and what different things mean their origins where they've come yeah, from i mean i think our last episode last week was such a success on um sayings and um superstitions superstitions and... that we've we've really had lots of great feedback from that so we thought as obviously we can't do vlad the impaling dracula um we are gonna do kind of the, along the same lines but similar but but this time in numbers no it's... not with numbers I was going to. Oh, you going to? Oh, you changed it, right? I changed okay. it. It's, it's just symbolism. It's symbols and as as, as a as as a general genre. General genre. A genre. Yes, I, I went to do numbers, but let me tell you, when you've got an hour time frame, um, it's a little bit more complicated. So please bear with us. We're going into the symbolism. Okay. Now I think this it'd be good to start to explain what symbolism is yeah. for you. Because I think you've lost, I think you've lost all meaning. Well, the thing is, as we discussed earlier, this podcast is on the paranormal, supernatural, and also the unusual. So we did kind of discuss: does this come under our headline? And it does because stuff like this is still of interest. It's still of interest. It's interesting, and um, yeah, you know, it is unusual. We symbolism is in our everyday lives. Yeah, uh, whether we know it or not. And it's good to, to know and understand our roots and know and understand what we are consuming. So, you know, it's symbolism is every day. And I'm going to give you some um, generic uh, Actually, when ones. you said it to me, although I did forget our first, obviously, thing was numbers. Um, our little 10-minute speech before we, we went live for this, I said, oh, God, yeah, no, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. So it is, it is still... Interesting and relevant. So, basically, a symbol are it's either a sign or marks, words, and they signify a deeper meaning than what is actually there. Yeah. And it's 
Um, it's about complex links and concepts and things that it's about association. And it's a communication tool as well, symbols. So, you know, if you see the golden arches, you instantly... We know it's McDonald's. You know it's McDonald's. So I'm going to give you some real generic ones that people use. And this is everyday examples of symbolism and how it is used. So I'm going to start off but with... But pertaining to not not commercialised, but pertaining to the unusual and and things that but, are in, but, inbred in his, his, historical... So these ones I'm going to give you, these generic ones, these are using advertised in film literature um, when but you're decorating. It, there's no background to this. I'm going to give you examples. Right. And then I'm going to give you some different ones and then give you the backgrounds. Yeah, but right. what I'm saying is the backgrounds are more inbred or ingrained than we realise. Yeah, much like much like yeah. the superstitions. Super, yeah, exactly. Some of the superstitions yeah, yeah. are dating back like five thousand years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Some of these sim some of these symbols are so ingrained that they have just come down and down and down. And as well, a lot of these symbols kind of go across nationalities, nations, cultures, yeah. and and you know the four leaf clover that is like the international symbol of good luck. And we spoke about that last episode, we did. didn't we? Um, a love heart. Yeah. Is you know signifies like a red rose. Yeah. Everyone knows that as love. So, a few generic ones just so you can get a bit of an understanding. So black, the color black is often used to represent death or evil. Yeah. The color white stands for like life the and light. purity, yeah, light, light yeah. and and all that is good. Red is a mixed one. It, it's kind of good and bad. So it's like blood, passion, lust, danger. Um, it can represent someone who's immoral, mm. all things like that. Purple has always been a royal colour. Yeah. And it's grandeur and extravagance and all things wonderful. Yellow, this was an interesting one. It can either stand for violence or decay. Um, really? I know that uh, the yellow rose is our family flower and a yellow rose stands for friendship. But if you go off the trucker points... Um, a yellow chakra wouldn't say that. So that again, it's interesting backstory. But, the, but these kind of things are, you know, if you was to write a book and you wanted a character to signify decay or whatever, you you would use the colour yellow well, that's in that. Interesting. To, I don't know that. Um, blue is representative of peacefulness, <laughs> calm, serenity. And I think that comes off the back of, um, from my understanding or my knowledge, um, Archangel Michael, who comes in blue. Um, but as well, it no, might it might re a... it might represent the sky, the sea. You know, when the yeah, sea is calm there's... and still. There's you know, there's lots of different ways that you can interpret these ones. Um, as well, animals have a lot of symbolism. So bears are often used to represent courage and strength. Yeah. Butterflies are symbols of transformation, and metamorphosis. Do you know that that my name's Vanessa, and the Latin, um, apparently, I've been told. Um, think my name is butterfly so uh, i don't know well, where it came from but apparently that's i mean i don't know if that suits me well i reckon it probably just the shoe fits as you put it on uh, um dogs as well uh stand for loyalty and devotion owls are, are symbolic of wisdom and education yeah serpents are like corruption and darkness tortoises perseverance you know, slow longevity, and, longevity, like, slow and steady wins the race. Wins so, the race, yeah. So 
but these are all things that are ingrained when you when you think of these animals these are the things that pop to mind and that is symbolism that mm. is uh, it's symbolic so you would say in other words a lion would symbolize strength and courage mm -hmm. if we're going to be basic about it yeah yeah um weather as well is often used mostly in literature um they use it as a foreshadowing and it's symbolic so fog is like a bad omen or something yeah. terrible is coming clouds symbolize like trouble is brewing or the storm is coming storms you know in horror movies when it all goes wrong it's pissing yeah. down with rain and it's thunder and lightning and you know what i love on the movies when they say band down the hatches the storm's coming in and you know at that point that it's all gonna, gonna go wrong drama yeah um snow often comes with messages of calmness and purity oh, and snow is symbolic of that because snow is cleansing so the snow and it's white as and well. it's white so you mm. know the snow comes and it washes away all of the yeah all I of like the crap that. Um, wind is often used to symbolise power or strength. Yeah, and, I get that. And yeah. rainbows are a promise of things to come or, yeah. you know, hopefulness and, and things like that. So that is a general overview of some symbolism, but to kind of give you a little bit of understanding of, of what we mean when we when we talk about this. And they're quite interesting in, mm. in of themselves. You know, if you think of some, um, you know, like Jungle Book, the bad guys, the snake. Yeah, um, but that surely must come from the Bible story from Adam and Eve, the, the but, serpent yeah, but, snake. Yeah, it would have done. You know, all of them things will have will have originate a, from somewhere. A, originated from somewhere because there was a reason. You know, the serpent is often depicted as the you know the devil's animal, and yeah, it's Harry Potter. You know, they speak the snake is bad and it's connected to the big. Is Voldemort it bad for me to tell you I've never watched one Harry Potter movie? That's terrible behaviour. Now, I always thought, when they first came out, I thought, no, I'll wait until Jesse's old enough. But he was never interested in it. So I've never actually watched a Harry Potter. I can't tell you who the characters are. I understand names of Dorfindor or whatever they are. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I've never watched one. I have got no education at all. I promise you. Right, I you will need do to... one day, but... They're amazing Probably films. with Jude when he gets into it, if he does. But Jesse They're very good. They're very, very good. So, I move on now to mm -hmm. some classic symbols that we use every day. Okay. And that we have certain connotations to. Mm. So, I start with the heart shape. So, the classic heart. Probably the most prominent and well-known symbol we have in We my use mind. it now. It still is a symbol of love. You know, you use it to... Oh, sorry. That's all my fans messaging me. Um... It is a symbol widely used by many cultures in many lands across the world. But this originated in the 7th century in Egypt. Oh. And the heart symbol was a representation of um, a herbal contraceptive at the time. And it come from a plant called Silphium. Mm. And it was a really effective and powerful herb at the time. And like I said, it was a contraceptive. Um, it was so over-cultivated though that it went extinct. Um, Can I just say, interject here, I do know from watching many documentaries on Egypt, because I'm fascinated by Egypt, that they came up, well, as far as I know, with the first contraception. So you're triggering my brain. And, and apparently they did come up with the first contraception. So, it, And this is it, it would have yeah. come from a, the yeah. Sylvian plant. Um, 
it, it you know it's quite a tricky thing to grow and it where it flourished them countries were very rich mm. and and popular it was a really versatile plant as well and you could do lots of things with it you could treat um coughs sore throats leprosy wart removal and all mm. kinds of things of it but the reason that the heart then come to represent that is because the seeds of it are almost like a heart shape oh really yeah so when they would label things to say this is sylphium um or like a jar that they'd put it in they would put the heart on there now oh, because that's it's a, interesting because it's a contraceptive obviously with that comes love and when two people love each other very much mm. um and they, they decide to and, and when you need a <laughs> when you need a contraceptive so then <clears throat> over the years it then has gained that connotation of sex and love and all them wonderful things has then been connected to the heart shape that's interesting see i which, did again i didn't know that which has then kind of gone down because you assume line. that the heart is connected to the the human heart but the human heart is, is not shaped no, in any exactly. way shape or form but you kind of just take it as as it is as, as, as two words the same yes the other um thing i found online that they think that maybe it originated from is from a woman's breasts right. so they are if you were to look like an upside down heart almost yeah if, if you put the triangle yeah yeah um i don't find I, I i don't believe that as much as this well listen you see my boobs but you see you'd rather see a man's chest so you probably but, wouldn't but anyway. even that i suppose you know they've got a little couple of well listen i've got a pair of titties i reckon they mine's probably heart shaped now listen you haven't got titties you've actually got a, a male strong chest movies you, you, yeah what do they call it moves what is that what men man boobs, boobs. Yeah, but no, no, but you've got you're you're muscly, so. So, but listen, that is where they think the um the heart shape originated, and that's over time, um we've taken and adopted that and and molded that into what it is today. Mm. Interesting. I, I don't know. Do like yeah, no, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, um. No, not the boobies, but the the plants. Oh God, the plants! Yeah, absolutely. I'm all if for. If they were, yeah. If, if they that. were heart shaped, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's unusual, to be honest. I'd have thought of something else, but listen, that's why we do this. We're learning. So. We're learning. So now we move on. We're still in Egypt, and this again is is some classic uh, symbology in Egypt. I hope I say it right. The unk, and this symbol. It's also called the key of life. So yeah. it is like a cross with a loop on the top, which which prince yeah prince uses that had as his symbol um or not his official symbol because it was a squirrely thing on the end but yeah i understand that symbol you're talking and about and also i suppose it, to... it lends its way so you know um like gender you have the symbols that yeah symbolize the gender i'm unsure listen that's about i'm unsure which one is which i know one leans up to the top yeah. but then one is like a a circle one across saying it originated from the egyptians yeah, it's, 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 it's a real real classic egyptian symbol um it dates back to the 30th century bce which was also known as the first dynasty of egypt what's bce so obviously bc is before christ bce is before christ ever yeah there's something yeah I've it's another one it's yeah, the same so, it's so, the same yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing 
Um, so in Egyptian culture or ancient Egyptian culture, the unk means life and symbolizes the male and female reproductive organs. Oh. Mm. The loop at the top represents the womb. Yeah. And the cross represents um, the phallus. And them joining <laughs> together unifies life. So That's it's, it's the symbol yeah. of life. It's the coming together. That them two together is the bringing of life. Yeah, okay. Um, it's also considered to be the symbol of water and of air. And that is because they are the basic life-giving elements. Hmm. Um, because of that, a lot of water vessels in ancient Egypt had the shape of the Ankh. Yeah. On it. Yeah. Um, it's also as well, uh, a lot in the kind of Egyptian artwork and the hieroglyphics and stuff, it's depicted the gods give the unk to the pharaohs. Um, and then a lot of pharaohs as well are, are buried with a form of it. It's either on their sarcophagus or, or yeah, you know, they have yeah. one on them. And that is, is, to, is to the divinity of the pharaohs, that the pharaohs were gods in themselves and they were the givers of life. Do you know what I mean? So the gods are passing that down yeah. to the pharaoh and it's because the pharaoh is the god and they are then giving that life yeah. to Egypt. Um, yeah, it's a symbol as well of re uh, resurrection and it's a, the life energy from the universe and all of them that things. So many, and I said it last last episode, so many things we do originate from Egypt, and it's actually quite surprising that so much of what we talk a about lot, a lot of our a lot of our everything words, <coughs> um, symbolism, culture, all stems from ancient Egypt, ancient Greece. More but, than I certainly would have thought. But you have to so. think that they were the rule in Europe. They were the ruling. She's having. A, she's dying a death. Sorry, you, I've still got. Do you know what you need? Got... You need an unk. Because it's also an amulet towards against death and evil, degeneration and decay. Oh, I'm going to get you one. Well, what about the um, the evil eye? When I went to Egypt years ago, um, obviously the you know the evil eye is is a ward off to bad spirits, bad eyes. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a No, it's a Mediterranean thing. Um, I would say that I haven't spoke about it actually. I wish I'd have looked at it, but it's more. Um, I would say a, a Greek. Thing. The Eye of Ra. Oh, I, I talk about that one. Are you talking about the blue with the white and the... Well, just that eye with the little swirls on the No, eye. that's the not eye the Eye of, of Evil. The Eye of Evil is... No, is the like Eye the... of Ra I'm talking about. We talk about that. It's mm. coming. Okay. All right, bud. So, now I move on to the Owl of Athena. So, we spoke about owls earlier, didn't we? And we said that owls signify wisdom and education and... And I totally get that. So... This descends from Greek mythology and um, it goes to the goddess of Athena and she yeah, was the goddess of I... wisdom and strategic warfare and she is often depicted with an owl on her shoulder. Yeah. But go on. But, you know, as, as, as many, as I've said before, I've always dreamt about the barn owl. Um, from, from a small child, the barn owl came in this all can't be about other countries. There must be as well. And I know you can't do four hours of research when you have 20 minutes. No, but listen, but there this, must be what we're talking about is the, sim is the symbolism. Yeah, but there also must be. Okay, so we're talking about symbolism. But you have to think. So in the ancient Greek times, yeah, the UK wasn't a civilised 
place. There wasn't civilization like there is there. Well, I don't the, know if the, I agree U, with it. the UK became civilized and things documented once these cultures. So you've got to think it was the Romans and stuff. So we had the Normans and things and Vikings and stuff, but their stuff isn't really documented. So we talk about. Oh, so so you're saying based on what is on the internet, based, 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 based on what we so, know. So not necessarily on fact of historical fact, but what we as far know as, and understand. As far back as we can trace, I'm sure. You know, because I know the owl is is really big for Native American um, cultures exactly. as well. Um, yeah. And but it's far spread. It's far reaching. So you're right in say you know the ancient Greeks never come in contact with Native Americans, but they both hold the same belief that the owl is, you know, all-seeing and is wisdom and and represents education yeah, and, and progression. Yeah, and I get that and I understand it, but I think the owl is so also ingrained in the UK or, or you know, but the our reason, history, no, but Celtic the, history, that but the there reason, must be but something the, else there as well. No, the reason it is, is because of these ancient cultures. When we talk about ancient Greece... We're talking thousands of years. And I know the UK is, you know, we've had people here for thousands of years. But are you saying that? But they, you... but they were like Neolithic. They were, you know, they weren't civilised people. They would have held beliefs and traditions. But a lot of the beliefs and traditions we have now come from these ancient cultures from overseas. I suppose it's like we spoke about a few episodes ago. A lot of the American, when we did a Halloween episode, so much of that culture... And as we know, and we discussed, uh, America did the best Halloween ever. But it actually all came from us. So I suppose, so I have to get my head around that um, what you're saying is that these other people gave cultures to us as well, like the owl. Of course now, did. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, why, that's why the UK is such place, a, is a magical place, because we have, we have such a blend of not only our own, our own cultures, but everyone else's as well. And we've adapted that, and we are who we are now. Yeah, like hundreds or thousands of years ago, as it pertains to, as what we talk about. Anyway, we digress. Yes. Back to usual. Athena and yeah. the owl. Um, they also, as well, believe that maybe the owl is, is symbolic of that because the owl is able to see in the dark yeah. and is an incredible yeah. hunter Yeah. with like a high success rate. And senses. And senses. Yeah. And so, you know... All of them things as well are characteristics of Athena. So it's almost like she is the human embodiment of mm. the owl. Yeah. Um, as well, you know, throughout history, the owl has always been considered a symbol of wisdom and knowledge, perceptiveness and clear sightedness. Um, it's also considered to be um, a symbolic of transition and time. Yeah. Which I... I don't see the connection. I struggle with the connection with transition and time, but it, it is it is known. Yeah. But, and uh, we spoke about um, the Native American people and how it's um, let or die. How sorry, just how ignore me. It is symbolic to them as well. Mm. The kind of the uh, symbolism to them varied from tribe to tribe. Some felt that the hour was representative of or a warning against magic and sorcery. Yeah. Other people felt that owls were a omen of death and evil. Mm. So it varies. And some thought, you know, it was it was representative of education and wisdom and knowledge unknown that was coming. Yeah. It also as well, um, I found this little tidbit out. So owls are, by and large, nocturnal animals. 
Yeah. But if to witness an owl in daylight is very symbolic that you, uh, there is a great learning coming um, and one that would change how you see the world. And it means that potentially you will finally see the world for what it is. Now, what I do know is, because I'm fascinated, and in my house I have loads of statues of the barn owl. Um, but, but barn owls apparently don't come out at night. They can also come out at dusk and in late afternoon. So that's something, yeah, I'm interested in. Yeah, but barn owls do actually come out at dusk and afternoon. But to see them in that time is symbolic to mean god yeah absolutely you know there is there is education coming for god, the person yeah. that witnesses it's that. definitely if you see one there's a message there so listen try and yeah understand it absolutely i agree with that yeah sticking with the bird theme mm. we move on to the raven oh yeah. the raven so the raven has long been believed to be the herald of all the cosmic secrets and can reveal omens and foretell the future Mm. Ravens are also now, symbolic of wisdom and high energy. Now think about the Tower of London in England. Yep. With the ravens there. And it's always been said throughout history, once the ravens leave, oh, yep. the tower will fall. fall. It's yep. so symbolic and so in inbred in our history that we know that 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 the ravens are so essential. In the backstory of the Tower of London, in, in historical facts. There's, a, there's even a, a man dedicated to the care of yeah, the there ravens is. Because the listen, we can't have the ravens leave because it is so... And that falls into the superstition, you know. Yeah, we, you, we, 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 we won't risk it. If the, if the ravens never... Because the ravens leave in the morning, but then they all come back. Yeah. And it's a sight over every day. Hundreds and hundreds of these fill the sky and they all flock back to the tower. And it's if they don't return, yeah, and the that's why you're right. Where there are people dedicated to make sure the ravens are looked after so much because our superstition is if the ravens don't return, and you know, like, is there is trouble. there any need for a man to look after them? Will the tower fall if they don't return? But listen, it's that strong yeah, of a feeling our, that they yeah, don't ever want to risk yeah, it. Yeah, we we'll, don't want to risk let's it. Let's not yeah. risk it. Let's play listen, this we'll fella. pay someone. <laughs> listen, and we'll yeah yeah. yeah. We'll just play some. Let's it. let's just not even tempt fate. Let's yeah, just do yeah. it. And I think that's again going back to the last episode superstitions. A lot of it is let's just, you know they you might not necessarily believe in it, but let's not tempt it. You know, just in case. Isn't it? Just when in case. When you think all our countries we're all skin, we're all, we're having drunk, you know. But you know, in our country, we certainly make sure there is a dedicated person to make sure these ravens are healthy and happy in return. Because of course, like you said, we don't want to risk it. And in these days where everyone's, you know, all the countries are skin, it, it, go, it goes some way to explain or to, you know, or, or to prove, listen, we don't want to risk it. Don't want to risk it. Yeah, we don't want to um, risk it. Ravens are really, really famous in Norse mythology. Did you mm. know that? Vikings. Uh, so because the ravens are the companion birds to the all-father, Odin. Odin, And well, Odin is big boss. Yeah, absolutely. Big boss. And so he had two ravens, oh, excuse this pronunciation, named Huggin and Munin. Mm. And they are meant they, they mean memory and thought. Right. And they would fly all over the world, all over Earth, and they would bring news of everything they saw and everything they heard back to the Allfather, back to Odin. Yeah, yeah. Um so they've always been you know, from Norse mythology 
they have always ravens have always held uh you know a strong thing they're all seeing they're yeah. all knowing wisdom wisdom insight insight native american culture as well i didn't know they had ravens in america i'll be honest i don't know if that's just ignorance but i thought they was a european bird but listen they have them yeah in native american culture the raven is a magical bird and the holy men would invoke them to get the gift of foresight and perceptiveness right so what actually weird before you said that even the crow they and the ravens they are supposed to in in, in lots of cultures bridge the gap between life and death and actually so is a magpie now you know me i'm crazy over birds i'm not into cats or dogs you know i i i love all animals but my thing are birds and the magpie as well you know the magpie's tail is so long because it apparently symbolizes the bridge between um heaven and earth because you know so i'm really into you know birds ravens crows because i understand that because i've researched it and, and i and i love that um there are also certain tribes as well that consider the raven to be a bringer of light and creation and that is because they believe that the raven created the earth by dropping so stones in the sea and making islands because they're quite you know like magpies and ravens and crows yeah, ravens are quite formidable birds i mean they're they're quite big, big. they're quite big but yeah. they but they you know they're quite the famous for carrying beak. things yeah and you know they pick up and they're very intelligent as well they use stones and stuff as tools to break open things they learn they're, they're um and the thing intelligent that, creatures that blinds me about birds is Birds are one of the only species, probably the only species that can talk human language. You know, birds, I'm not just saying ravens or crows specifically, but even I've seen budgies and parrots, and they can actually talk human words. So birds are really, really intelligent in my mind, and birds are very spiritual. I love birds. You know, I just, I just love them. They have so much to give and offer. Um, also as well, in Greek and Roman cultures, the raven is a solar animal. And it is associated with the sunlight, wisdom, and um, also they're the associate birds of Apollo and Athena as well. Oh, yeah. It interests me that they consider them to be the birds of sun and light because they're... Yeah, because they're perceived to be quite dark, dark. aren't they? Ravens and crows, that's, yeah. Again, there's probably symbolism in that, and you would find, you know, uh, Edgar Allan Poe maybe wrote the book, The, the, the Raven. I don't know. Anyway, listen. You're far more educated than me, babe, so I can't now, comment on that. But We move on to quite a notorious symbol, the pentagram. Yes. Now, the pentagram is today probably considered to be an evil symbol. I think amongst people that, yeah, I mean, carry on. I won't, I'm not going to say anything oh, okay. until I hear more. So, a brief description. So, the pentagram is a five-pointed star. And this was first seen in 3000 BC in Mesopotamia. Yeah. Um, in Babylonian times, mm. the five points of the star were, met, were used to represent the planets. So, it was Jupiter, Mercury, Mars, Saturn and Venus. Yeah. In ancient Greek culture, the pentagram represented the golden ratio, which was a symbol symbol of perfection. Um, it's 
the symbol is considered. See, that's unusual from the start for me because, of course, I know the pentagram is something different, but already you're educating me. The symbol of the pentagram is considered to be real powerful protection against the forces of evil in them times. That was their... Because it was... But we would watch a movie now and think it's complete opposite. Complete opposite. So it's interesting, yeah. Go on, carry on. The Hebrews also um, used the symbol to depict um, the truth and the five books of... Excuse my pronunciation of this as well. I'm going to butcher this. Pentatuich, mm. which are which are their the, their books that they follow, and in Christianity the five points represented the wounds received by Christ. Yeah. And the Druids referred to the pentagram as the Godhead. Right. Now, Wiccans also it's very prevalent in in of course yeah. it, with the Wiccans and and the it's not a symbolism of good versus evil it's a symbol of faith and the symbol represent the five elements of spirit air earth water and yeah, fire fire yeah and so there's one so there's one element for each point and in the and circle and essentially the coming together of mother nature well the circle represents the universe yeah and it connects everything so everything is connected by spirit earth air yeah. water and fire now this is where the it all goes a bit wrong so the the, the misconception is is about the way that the pentagram points. So if the pentagram points down, mm. so the point is at the bottom, yeah. it's considered evil. And if it points up, it's, it's a good symbol. You know, it's you know it's not bad in any way. The reason that the point down is associated with the devil and Satan and Satanism is because um, the Church of Satan, which was established in 1966, adopted the inverted pentagram mm. with the kind of goat's head inside of it and that as their symbol. Yeah. That was their, their... Wasn't it before that? When you say 1966, that wasn't very long ago. Not very long ago, but that's, that's why that we... That was officially... But that's, that's why we consider its use with evil. So it's traditional to use point up, point down. It doesn't really matter. Um, in traditional kind of Wiccan theory and stuff, the point up, point down, it, it, it doesn't matter. It is still the symbol of spirit, earth, yeah, wind and yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only reason that we now really associate it with the devil is because the Church of Satan used that as their symbol. Really? And it's such a powerful isn't thing. isn't that a shame? But because, because for me, well, when you, when, you, when you look at movies and stuff, you associate naturally the pentagram with bad but like but you just how, said but that's how powerful if you go the little backstory it wasn't ever about that but that's how powerful symbolism is so i'm going to move on now to some hand gestures mm. that are symbolic right the first one i'm going to think of is the the v sign well, i'll go through the v sign or the middle finger sign well let's start with the middle finger mm. same we all and it is, I would say, across the globe, an international symbol of, <laughs> fuck you, yeah. fuck what you stand well, as for. As they call it, the bird, the international bird. Flipping the bird. Flipping the bird, yeah. Sticking your middle finger up. It is a disrespectful gesture, yeah, isn't it's it? it's rude and, yeah. But it goes back to um, ancient Greece. Again. Again. It wasn't an offensive term or gesture then it was associated with sexual intercourse and a sign of fertility 
and it was used to represent a penis. Oh. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I don't know. Well, you look at it, it's like cock and balls, maybe. If you look at your hand as you do it, yeah. everyone stick your middle fingers up all together now. Here we go. A big fuck you to the world. Birds, yeah. Right. And just have a little think about that. Thumbs up. Again, uh, a, a global symbol of, yeah, everything's good. Cool, yeah, fine, yeah. Thumbs down. No, not good. But didn't that come from the ancient Greeks on the, on the Colosseum? If it was thumbs up, they lived. If it was thumbs down, they... Correct. Well done. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Look I've at you. I've actually got something right in history. You've got one right. You've got one right. So it goes back to um, Roman times and yeah. gladiators. And it was um, during the event or whatever, whoever was chief, head of the event or yeah. whatever... Um, would use thumbs up, thumbs down as a symbol as to whether or not the gladiator or the, the, should live or, or die. Live or die, yeah. Um, so, if the defeated gladiator got a thumbs up, they was allowed to live, move on. If they got the thumbs down, that was a lot. Now I know that because I watch movies, but it's interesting to know that that actually, in reality, came from those days. Correct. Now we move on to the V. Now we can spin it or turn it. You have spin the V for victory it. or the V for up yours. The, yeah, so listen, if your palm is facing forward, it's your V. That's peace. That's the V peace, sign. Victory. V for victory. You flip it round. Again, that's a bit of a... As we would say in England, UK, up yours. Up yours, whatever. Fuck off, do whatever. Yeah. So again, it has got, you know, 10 different connotations to it. So it is um, peace. It is V for victory. You know, it's very classic. Winston Churchill. Yeah, of course. It's got his V's up. But again... And, and the most famous sign of the peace um, fingers up is, of course, Winston Churchill, the Second World War. That's that's how we know it, isn't well, it? The most famous symbolic sign is him doing, doing that. But again, it's something that is still globally used and globally recognised. Mm. Um but it has, again, has nothing to do with peace or victory or anything like that. But it dates back to the Hundred Years' War, which was 1337 to yeah. 1453. And English archers would taunt their French enemies by raising two fingers. And that is because that when um, an English archer was caught by the French, they would have their index and middle finger chopped off of their right hand. See, now I do know this. To make sure that they'd never be so able to pull, never a, pull a bow pull again. A bow again they, yeah. And they'd never be able to kill another French soldier and in then battle. The, the opposing um, army would do that as if to say, well, I've still got mine. Yeah, exactly. I've still and, got and, mine. And that is one thing I do know, yeah. And so it's always been a fuck you. Yeah. So do essentially, one. so. It was essential because because the archers were the most powerful thing. When the archers came in, it was like you know it was really um, in a war situation. They were very very powerful, so they decided the opposing team to chop all their fingers. So well, it's, it's, a, it? it's a sensible thing to do, yeah, isn't the, it? The, yeah, a sensible move by the French. Yeah, but the English would would give them the V, just say, "Well, listen, you ain't had me yet, have you? Have a bit of that." Now you see, I thought the other way. I thought the French would do it, as I say. Listen, we've taken all, we've taken the the first two. Fingers. No, so it was it was the French oh, who had taken the English, and yes, the English I'm, would then. 
oh, the English would do that, saying we've got more backup. Yeah. Oh, right. See, I understood that, but I thought it was the other way around. Again, interesting. Interesting. Uh, and then we've got... Um, it's hard to explain. So it's described as devil horns, but do you know like when people say, oh, rock and roll, and then you do that. So Listen, you... I've spent many, many years on festival and rock gigs doing the devil horns. Da, 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 no, the two da, da. fingers. The two yeah. fingers. So it's like your pinky yeah. finger and your pointer finger yeah. are up, and then your thumb holds down your middle finger and then like your ring finger, and yeah. then you're doing that. So we now associate that with rock music. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I've always done like, yeah. yeah. A bit of that. But this dates back to ancient India. Really? And it was a gesture used by Buddha to expel demons and remove obstacles such as illness or negative thoughts. Really? Yeah, so the, you know, the... I always knew, I've always done this sign for years, but I thought it was a devil horns. I, I didn't know the backstory. So you're saying it was actually a, more of a peace? More of a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a power, you know, how like the Christians would, you know, so, you know, um, head, balls, wallet, watch, um, up, down, shoulder, shoulder. Right, when Freddie's doing that, he's describing it to me and he's doing it as in the cross of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, that you, you do your cross and you do that to expel the demons. Well, in, in ancient India, the, the Buddha would do that and that was the... Ah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I just thought it was associated with the devil horns, rock music. Yeah. Oh, there's something else I've learned tonight. That's interesting. There you go. I liked that one. That was a good one. Now we move on to the Star of David. Yeah. Now the Star of David, we obviously associate with uh, Jewish religion. Yeah. Um, it is basically two triangles, mm. one with the point up and then one yeah. overlapping point down. Yeah. Um, so it's got one, two, three, four, four. It's got six points. So... The Star of David has been used as a motif in synagogues since maybe as far back as the 3rd or 4th century. Right. It's definitely been carved into Jewish tombstones since the 3rd century. Mm. But although it is, it's very steeply invested in kind of Jewish culture and yeah. the community, it has a more mystical meaning. Mm. So... Some people think that the six points of the star mark God's dominion over all directions in the universe. So north, right. south, east, west and up and down. Yeah. Other people believe that the two um, triangles that point in different directions show the relationship between God and man. Right. Um, so the up and down. So, you know, one points up towards the heavens and towards God. Yeah. One points down towards earth and everything that is, you know, normal mm -hmm. and, and earth bound. Mm -hmm. And the joining of them together show the duality of that and that they're very connected. Right. And that they, they, they both need each other to exist and coexist and, you know, one can't have the other yeah. without yeah. the other kind of thing. So that was a little, a little slice for Again, you. Again, yin and yang, opposites. It is, it is, always it is, has to be an yeah. opposite. Now we move on to the eye of providence. So this is a symbol you will know. It is the triangle with the eye. Yes, I've seen it. But doesn't that go back again to the Egypt Egyptians? Yeah. We're, we're kind from of. From what I, I don't yeah. know, from what I... So, um, again, this symbol is is now perceived as negative and has connections to Satan and Lucifer. Really? And See... Because it's um, 
It has a connection. See, that's to... something I didn't know, or it doesn't relate to me. Well, it's people associated with the Illuminati, which are then considered, you know, evil and bad, and the New World Order, and all of this business, and all the conspiracy theories of mm. everything. But <clears throat> the Eye of Providence, or the All Seeing Eye, is actually a symbol of divine. Um, providence and you know just glory and divine and foretelling of good then you mean foretelling of good and it's all seeing all wonderful all blinding so this has been used since some of the very earliest days of the christian church and the symbol was meant to represent the ever ever watchful eye of god Mm. So obviously it's in a triangle, which we spoke about last week yeah. in traditions. So it's the three points of the triangle represent the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, normally it has kind of like beams of light emitting yeah. from it. And that is to represent the glory of God. And then the eyes, obviously, the ever watchful eye of God. He the sees eye, He yeah. sees all and knows all. Yeah. But like you said, go back even further. It's used in ancient Egypt. And it was kind of used to represent the eye of Horus, which was the sky god. So, as well, the eye is is in kind of Buddhist um, religion as well. And it's referred to as the eye of the world. But again, same kind of principle. It's the all-seeing eye. That divine being oversees and knows everything and sees everything. Now, this is, you know, this is where it kind of... It has got its connotations to evil. So at the top of a dollar bill in the US, there's mm-hmm. a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid, you have an eye of providence. Right. So it's like that. Then at the top, you've got like another triangle coming off of the pyramid with the eye and the lights coming off of it. Mm. So people feel that it's a symbol of Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is connected then to the yeah, Illuminati. But, but, because Freemasonry it's... Is, is too small. For it to be on a dollar bill. Well, well, I don't know. Freemasons are pretty far reaching. I know, but when, when you go into an international, you know, money thing, I mean, I don't know if I, I get that, to be honest. I would say have a little look if you ever do, if you yeah. ever have the time. Um, and they use the, the, the Eye of Providence as a proof of kind of that it's a secret organisation or whatever. But there is some truth in it. And uh, it's the symbol of the all-seeing eye, the eye of providence, um, is that the founding fathers of America are all deeply religious men. And this is a religious symbol. Mm. And that is, you know, and in on the bill it says, in God we trust, and, you know, yeah. and all of them things. And I think people have, have used the, the connotation of Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is pretty, it's a secret society. We all know people that are Freemasons. Yeah, but it's in the UK as well. It's in know, the UK oh, as well, yeah. you know, but it's all it's all about the secret handshake and it all goes on behind closed doors and you all have to be invited in. But because of that, it's now been considered um, an evil organisation and they control everything and... Um, they're all part of this new well order and they're trying to take over and take control. Mm. Um, but it's um, it's not. It's not. It's a, no. it's, it's a religious symbol and the reason it's on your dollar bill is because the people that founded the country but were religious men. what I don't get men. is, if I'm going to just say, when you're talking about money and on a dollar bill, why is some secret society even on a dollar bill it's like really it only applies to x amount of people 
Why would that symbol, but, but if, if that's if, the case, if, the if, bill, but if, 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 as they say, that that organisation are the ones that are are in power and are in control, they they there are people that feel that Freemasons or the Illuminati run the world. You know, we might have right, a president, okay, so but he is controlled by a higher power. Right. So again, you're saying the symbolism is pertaining to potentially that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm but not the, sure I'm going with it, but. Well, no, it's not. For, it's not. Saying. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But the reason it's connected to the Freemasons is because they've also adopted this symbol. And again, you have to remember that when the Freemasons were set up, um, they were. It was in a time that religion was far more widespread than it is now, and far more adhered to. It was a a normal thing. Religion mm. now is still a normal thing, but it's not as as practiced as much. Yeah. yeah. Um. But the Freemasons used it not as kind of, to, you know, uh, to say, oh, I'm taking over the world or whatever. But it's about um, showing that they need to remain their focus inwards, looking inside themselves, adhering to a strict moral code um, and and maintaining the secret and, and bonding as brothers and, and sticking as a community. And that's what it's there to kind of represent. Mm. I mean, to be honest, it's a bit out of my knowing and understanding so i can't really comment on it because it's just something i don't know about. listen so I'm it's, just gonna leave that there's you. a hell of a lot of stuff online i've you know i'm reasonably well versed in it um there are some extremes there's some great research into it that you could easily fall down a rabbit hole and go well hang on a minute i i'm 100 percent with it i'm uh i'm on the fence mm. i'm on the fence with it. i see some stuff and i think well well listen how can that not be true and then you see other stuff, and I think, you yeah. know, it's a bit of and a far reach. And I know nothing, so I'm just going to be zip zip. In, in this position. Um, we move on now as well to, a, it is a powerful piece of imagery, and that's the swastika. Yeah. Well, so for, for hate, as we, as we understand it in modern day. So we obviously consider the swastika to be the emblem of the Nazi party. Hitler. And of hate. Uh, yeah, it's now, yeah, it's been a, you've got neo-Nazis and stuff who, yeah. who aren't yeah. necessarily Nazis, but they practice these kind of homophobic, racist and hateful um, views and whatever. So the swastika is well, now... obviously mainly against the Jews. No, but now it, it, it was but then, now but now it's been adopted to, to, of, to anyone yeah. that is out of the, out of the ordinary. Out of, out of what they consider out, of to their be the belief, ordinary. Their yeah, belief. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, unfortunately, it's it's it is a, a negative symbol. Absolutely negative symbol. Yeah. But swastikas have been used for thousands and thousands of years. Mm. So the oldest swastika dated to ancient Eurasia, and that was about seven thousand years ago. And they believe that the design was a symbol of the sun travelling across the sky. Yeah. And it was originally used as a sign of well-being and kingship. Really? Which is the opposite of what it is now. That's interesting. Uh, later examples have also been discovered, and that's on ancient Christian tombs, in cathedrals, really? and all things like that. Also, it's seen in Buddhism, and the symbol is, you know, it's a holy symbol, and it signifies the footsteps of Buddha. In mm. India, the swastika as well represents their sun god and is used as a sign of welcome at weddings and on the doors of shops. But isn't that a shame that such a beautiful symbol for such peace and love was literally captured and represented like Yeah. That? 
So I'm going to go into the final little piece of symbolism. And this is just to appeal to our American listeners out there. And hopefully we can give you a little bit of education. Listen, I'm not over there, so I don't know if this is common knowledge or not. But their political parties are symbolised by animals. So they have um, donkey and an elephant. So the donkey represents the Democratic Party. The elephant is the Republican Party. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, I did. I knew that that was oh, the animals no, that was used to represent no. them. So this is how it come to be. So it was um, a bit of a political manoeuvre. And they are they both come from a real famous political satirist and cartoonist called Thomas Nast. Mm. So in 1828, there was a, a very famous war hero called Andrew Jackson, and he was running for president. Right. His opponents would call him a jackass. Ah, and which why you have programs now, and you say, "Oh, he's a jackass." Maybe that's a the backstory for that as well. Maybe who knows? Um, but it was a bit of a play on his last night because he was Jackson. You know, it was Andrew Jackass ah. and, and things like that. Anyway, we know an ass to be a donkey. Yeah. And whatever else, so um, they would. They, he, Andrew Jackson was like, listen, I'll take it. I'll have it. And used the donkey as his political symbol yeah. and was printing it on all of his campaign posters. So yeah. he was a bit yeah. like, call me what you like, mate. I'll have it. I'll have it. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so Thomas Nast, who was the, the cartoonist, um, worked for a popular magazine called Harper's Weekly and started depicting the donkey in his cartoons and he used it as a representation of the whole Democratic Party. And so we now associate the Democratic Party with the donkey. And it all started from um, Mr. Jackson mm. and his running presidency and his political opponents trying to kind of put him down and slander him a little bit. Yeah. And he took it in his stride and went, I'll have it. Listen, and he, and he I'll, made I'll, something good out of it. He, yeah. he turned it into something turned good. It, yeah. So now we move on to the elephant, the Republican elephant. This was not as quick as the donkey, I would say. It was a more of a gradual um, depiction of the party as a whole. So he first used a bit of a dopey elephant um you know, didn't really know what it was doing, where it was going, and he used it to depict the party as they was always very confused and they were very well known as not being sure which way to go or right. what policies to yeah. adopt. Um, so he done he would depict them so as both that. Both unusually in, in disrespectful ways. In disrespectful ways. Donkey and the elephant, you know, so both And you know, he he used the elephant multiple times to, to uh, portray the Republican Party and he was a big, confused, kind of dopey yeah. thing. Like, just to represent that they didn't have a clue, didn't know what they was doing, didn't know where they stood, didn't yeah. have any kind yeah. of real strong stands. They were a bit wishy-washy. That's what he was trying to mm. depict. But again, over time, it become the party symbol. It was yeah. it was ingrained in a, in America that if the elephant was then just associated yeah. with the Republican yeah. Party, and um, yeah, there you go. That's some symbolism through the ages, some symbolism that we use. I hope it was educational. It certainly was for me. 
I've got to be honest, because I didn't know most of that stuff. Or I didn't know 90% of that stuff. So it certainly has been for me. A bit unusual for us, but we we advertise on our podcast. We do the, you know, the paranormal and the unusual. And this has certainly been one tonight, the unusual. And I'm all for education. Knowledge is power. Well, you're a big swinging dick in the school, so. Listen, sure. listen. But I've learnt something tonight, absolutely. Good, fantastic. And I am glad. So, hopefully, guys, we will be back with you next week where we will do Count Dracula. Like we keep on saying, like Lacky we can... and Pale of our historian, please, God. I, I let, now, let me tell you. this. It's not for lack of trying, I promise you. This would best be the best episode we've ever, ever, ever done because, listen, there's been some hype. Yeah. There's been some hype. And it needs to be made. But it will be. The subject matter is so blinding and it's very very interesting because i studied um dracula when i was at school oh, for, for english literature mm. um the book obviously i know that the the legend stems far and wide from that yeah. but the the it was such a groundbreaking book and this again the symbolism and the power and the themes of that have been far spreading and long reaching yeah. but you understand we cannot literally do this episode without a historian because she can give us more info than me and Freddie know. And so it's an important episode and a necessary one, I think. So please stay with us. Stay tuned. And we will be back next week with the blood-sucking count himself, the man of the moment, Mr. Dracula. Oh. What's his last name? Um, I don't know. His first name is Count. I don't, I don't, well, this, this is where our historian will come in. She will come back and say, right, he was a man or he wasn't, he, you know, fictionalised or not. She will give us an entire backstory so then we can just know everything. This is why we need her for, for this next one. Right, so, guys, I've just done a quick Google because I want to know what Count, Count Dracula's first name, right, no. Well, if we watch movies, it'd be Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. Count Vlad Dislius, <laughs> but that's in Vlad Dislaus. Dracula. Right. Dracula. Dracula. So, <laughs> again, let's have the historian. So if she she makes a mistake. She, yeah. She knows better than I she, do. She, she knows better. But you know, when I, when I was... Listen, guys, stay tuned because I, I found out a little something that maybe the historian doesn't even know. And that there is another significant historical figure that people are now more leaning towards as being the inspiration for Dracula. Ah, so maybe that's a position after we finish the next podcast that we can challenge her. Oh, I will be. Yeah. I'll be coming out with all my fire and brimstone yeah. saying, right, right justify yeah. this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Justify so, yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be a good one, guys. Listen, we hype on about it. But um, as always... Tune in next week. Please, please, please follow all of our social medias. So we're on Instagram, um, The Haunted Podcast Official. Twitter is The Haunted Pcast. Facebook is The Haunted Podcast Official. We're also on TikTok, and that is The um, Haunted Podcast Official as well. You can always email us directly, and that is The Haunted Podcast Official at gmail.com. All of these things How are listed in... How do you remember all this? Well, because I do it daily. I'm on it all the time. This is... It's like having a job. It's 24 I'd have to read seven. this out, but, you know, your brain works different from mine. So, listen, I'm useless, but Freddie knows what it is. So, 
Uh, all of it will be in the episode description, but please, please, please interact with us. We love it. We get so many messages from people um, either just wanting to say hi. I spoke to um, a listener the other day. Oh, go on. Um, wanted some help from Kelly Angel. Yeah. Um, it was actually a really distressing story. Mm. And obviously I spoke to Kelly personally and I said, look, I'm sending you something over, but, you know, I really need you to take a yeah. look at this. And then I spoke to her, she, she was in a real level of distress and I said, look, what's your number? Let me ring you, let me give you some reassurance. And I spoke yeah. to her on the phone and she was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You're thing. actually speaking to us. You see, but you we're see, human. We're, I'll we're, talk to anyone. We're not that big. Well, when we're gonna even if people. I was, listen, give me yeah. a shout. If you if you want to have a conversation with us, send us your number. I'll give you a ring. And I'll tell you why. Me and Freddie obviously had big experiences in the cage St. Isaac, um, haunted which which is prison, um, and so we kind of get it. You know, obviously me me more than Freddie. But we understand it. That's why we started this podcast. That's why we do it. And listen, if there's anyone that wants to reach out to us, listen, if we can help you, we will. We just will, won't we? Because because that, that was a whole intent for doing this in the first place. People are struggling like I was all those years. People are struggling. So please just reach out to and us. And we're not unreachable, guys. But I'm literally yeah. giving you our email address. If you want to just send me your number and say, please, can you call me, Fred? Please, can you call me, Vanessa? I'd like to chat about something. I mean, do that, that's fine. Um, but guys, listen, live long and prosper. Love to you all. Behave yourselves. Don't get in too much trouble. But get be blinding and be happy at the same time. With all those warnings. <gasps> Ciao for now. Bye.